Hi, I'm Ryan LaPlante, and I'm one of the crazy founders of Dumb Dumbs and Dice, the production company that's made the video you're watching or the podcast you're listening to right now. Now, we're clearly busy. We're producing five weekly podcasts, Dum Dums and Dragons, Blood and Syrup, The Mythos Mysteries, Warhammer 40,000, The Valentine Heresy, and Curse Code and Crown, as well as three event podcasts with miniseries releases scheduled at random intervals, Dumb Scum and Villainy, One Shots, and the bad movie review show, Garbage Town the Movie Podcast. But we want to take this time to invite you to become a part of our company and a part of our Patreon at patreon.com slash dumdumdice. You can get access to our Discord, access to exclusive DM and character chats. You can get the chance to name characters in our shows. You can even become a recurring NPC and hear yourself interacting with our characters each week through the voice of Tom. You can become a patron for as little as $1, and there's great value for you at even that level. So please, join the Dum Dums and Dice family and help us make even more content Content in a way that you are guaranteed to love. That's patreon.com slash dumdumdice. D-U-M-B, D-U-M-B, D-I-C-E. So let's do something dumb together, and thanks for being part of our stories. I am Executron, god of merchandising, and I came into existence because Dum Dums and Dice has its own merchandise. That's a god pop, get it? Dice? Merchandise? Anyways, you can get t-shirts, hoodies, spiral notebooks, clocks, wall art, throw pillows, bags, and even stickers emblazoned with your favorite Dum Dums and Dice characters and their catchphrases. Go to redbubble.com slash people slash Dum Dum Dice. That's D-U-M-B, D-U-M-B, D-I-C-E. One more time for the mortals in the back, redbubble.com slash people slash Dum Dum Dice. Get your merchandise. Merchandise today. Welcome back to Curse Code and Crown, a live play Dungeons and Dragons 5th edition podcast featuring a fully original world and campaign. I am the wizard Cronox, observer of time. Curse Code and Crown features our regular voiceover artists and improvisers, Laura Elizabeth as Princess Gwendolyn, Tyler Hewitt as Maka Deathcap, and Ryan LaPlante as Duncan Kindano, alongside our dungeon master, the incredible Tom McGee. So get ready for an adventure including thrills, chills, and hope for a brighter tomorrow. It's time for Curse Code and Crown! To the left and to the right of you is almost endless horizon. Uh, the water is a, a dark blue uh, beneath your small vessel, and the winds have been in your favor. You've been on the, the water now for about two days. Um, traveling away from uh, the the edge of uh, of the wall that, uh, for you, Gwendolyn, kind of marked the edge of everything you knew, although admittedly you didn't know too much about what was within those walls, just that the walls themselves existed. Yeah. Uh, and similarly for you, Duncan, even though you've read stories of, of a wider world, this is all unfamiliar territory. Um, and as the, the sort of walls of uh, byproduct slowly disappear behind you, uh, you realize that at this point there's likely no turning back. Um, over the span of the two days, um, the three of you had some time to rest, uh, to recover after uh, the various ordeals with the Lords of, of Byproduct. 
Um, you've all leveled up to level four uh, from your, your adventures, and uh, you find yourselves uh, drifting uh, towards um, sort of uh, what looks almost to be a line of, of jagged spikes on the, uh, the the horizon ahead of you, and though to the left and right, and now actually behind you as well, there's there's nothing but but water and sky uh, ahead of you. You can start to see in the distance uh, the massive peaks of the Bone Spur Mountains. So the Bone Spurs are uh, a massive, massive uh, mountain range um, that extends up out of the ocean. It sprung uh, mysteriously and violently into existence uh, during the war, uh, summoned by the Necrotis, uh, seemingly, mm-hmm. um, and uh, decimated uh, an allied fleet, um, which uh, set back uh, what would become the Apex Institute by quite a while. Um, the mountains are a major geographical feature in Gren, uh, and Maka, this, you probably have a better idea of this, but even, even the people of Orville would have heard of this, uh, but in a way, it almost divides the world uh, vertically because they're so large and so generally impassable uh, that um, most know that almost like in a video game when you reach the edge of the map and it's like, nope, sorry, it's not like a Grand Theft Auto thing where you just come back in the other side. Um, most people know that it's better to take the long way, even if it will take you a year to circumnavigate mm. the world, than it is to try and, and venture over these mountains. That said... For a swamp turtle, a sheltered princess in a haunted suit of armor, and for a dawnbreaker, this information is beyond you and not something you would necessarily consider when plotting your route. Um, on the third day uh, of sort of sailing towards this, um, you you all uh, feel a little bit more comfortable with each other, having having now been been traveling together for a bit. Uh, however. Um, Maka, as a keeper of the dead, um, you have a lingering concern um, that's been sort of tickling the edge of your mind about what's to become of Gwendolyn's uh, human body. So on the third day, as a chill wind uh, begins to kind of blow uh, across the water and uh, start to to chill you, um, you realize it might be time to uh, confront her about what her hopes are for for her body, particularly because having set sail, you now realize going back will also take three days. So this yeah. is about the point of no return, yeah. uh, with the mountains still in the distance, looming ever larger against a gray sky. So we don't have the body with us, correct? Like, that's no, not here. No, you, the, you stowed it at the, uh, yeah. at the woods. Now, I will say um, that in the time between uh, sorting out the Lords of, of Byproduct and coming to get the ship, um, I would say that if you want, we can say you went back and got the body. Um, that wasn't the intent of the group last time we spoke, uh, but yeah. I also know that we were kind of like wrapping up a session and our brains were very much there. So I think it would be safe to say that uh, if you want to have the body with you, you can, or you could have left it kind of in the, the care, even though Gus dematerialized the kind of aura of Gus and Agatha still seems to to be there, so it seems to be a safe space. What uh, what do you think you would have done? If we're talking past tense, I'll leave the decision ultimately, I think, up to Laura of what that would makes have been sense. done with, with your body. I Would we have left it or would we have gone to get it? I think where we left off, I think Gwendolyn was feeling very noble and feeling like... Do you, 
do you know what? Like, I, th- I think she was a little bit drunk on her, like, kind of feelings of like, <laughs> I could be a good person. I could do the right things. <laughs> is it important? You know, this is a time sensitive matter. So, so she I, got on I a boat, she, but now she's had time to think. <laughs> yeah. It's like, yeah, she's just like, it's like that, that body is like, I'm, I'm still, it was kind of like feeling like I'm still myself. Like the, the body's just a body sacrifices must be made by yeah. all. And now, um, so we've really just left my body behind. Okay. Uh, in that case, um, <laughs> Marcus still wants to come and talk to Gwendolyn. Where on this boat do you think he would find Gwendolyn? Um, How big is the boat, Tom? It's just yeah, it's, it's right? not it's not huge. Um, mm-hmm. It's uh, I would say there's a small berth uh, below deck that um, you can kind of probably if it was three humans as the boat was built for you could probably sleep four very uncomfortably. Given that it's a suit of armor, one human, and a turtle. I think Duncan can sleep down there. Otherwise, you're probably both sleeping above decks. And when I say a berth, like, it is, it's crawl in and sleep. It, this thing isn't right, built... Okay. It's not like you're on, like, a sailing ship. Um, this looks to be... Uh, it could be crewed by one person with great skill. It could be crewed yeah. very easily. Because they, they looked at the three of you and were kind of like... Here you okay. go. Um, so it's like, a, I think the word is like a, like a sloop? Yeah, like a sloop. Yeah. That would make okay. sense. Um, but also worth worth noting is it would have mostly been used inside the barrier wall. Of course. Uh, so meant for kind of weirdly almost, I mean, like Tyler, you and I are both from Poor Credit. It's like it just got to hang out kind of past the breakwater and was just right, like, okay. oh, cool, I can go to the like Snug <laughs> Harbor and I can fish. <laughs> Uh, this wasn't really meant for yeah. for ocean faring, and the, the three of you have actually found that the, the ocean's pretty calm uh, thus far, so you haven't had any difficulty. But um, there's no hint of distance-based ships uh, in byproduct or Orvel. Obviously, okay. not Norvel, okay. but particular byproduct. So you will find me um, basically at uh, the front of the ship, kind of like I guess, yeah, just laying down on my stomach with my like hands kind of in front of me staring forwards okay. with like my head, my chin resting on my hands so okay. that I can easily turn my head to the ground. Yeah. <laughs> and Duncan will be at the wheel at the back of the ship right. if there, okay. I'm assuming there's a wheel of some kind. Yeah. Uh, I'm so thinking I'll more like at the prow. The yeah. rudder. You're, you're the rudder, just yeah. at the rudder. Yeah. It's, it's like if one person was running this, they'd be controlling the jib and the mast from um, the back. No, I guess it wouldn't be a jib, but they'd be controlling the sail from the rudder. Um, so yeah, so Duncan, you, you could be driving. That makes sense. Great. Uh, okay. And uh, weirdly, you, even though it's a sloop, you have a figurehead at the front of your ship. Isn't that delightful? <laughs> <laughs> um, so Maka, you uh, kind of duck under under the sail that's uh, currently full. Um, uh, Duncan, I think you've actually found this to be less stressful than you'd feared. Uh, the The logistics makes makes sense to you and also to some extent i mean you you were raised on adventure stories this is kind of the like jim hawkins bit where it's like oh no no i don't i mean i i couldn't possibly <laughs> but i'd like to uh 
um, so after a couple of days of, of, of struggling to kind of get the the, wind, the tacking down and all that stuff, now you've got got a pretty good sense of it. So Maka, you um, you kind of make your way around uh, the uh, the mast and the um, God, I hate that I can't remember this, but uh, that's the boom, I guess, like the long sure the yeah, yeah. part of the mast that swings around. Uh, you kind of squeeze past that, uh, and you see Gwendolyn uh, kind of looking intrepidly uh, off into the distance. Uh, <coughs> excuse me. Gwendolyn, I must speak with you about something that, uh, I am sure weighs on your mind as well. Um, and just without moving at all, I just say, you mean the fact that we left my body behind? Mm-hmm, yes. We are seven days into the spell. We could turn back now if you still feel attachment to your old physical form. Mm. But time is a factor in our mission as well. Mm, Yes. Well, uh, it's definitely been weighing on my mind. But you know what? My life's gone rotten. My body might as well rot with it. Mm-hmm. To rot. Oh, yes. It is a good thing. Mm. Yes. Oh, uh, uh, in my mind, I'm just like, wasn't saying that like it was a good thing, like, but I'm not going to argue the point either. I'm just kind of depressed over this whole thing. Maka, I think it's hard to read you, I think, because you're a, a suit of armor. You mean because I have no facial expression? Yeah. Uh, and the... To hear that you're just resigned to rot, Maka is like, mm, yes, very good. Good attitude. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and, and, and I turn my face so my my head is now pointing down, resting give you a, on the floor. A pat on your broad metal back and uh, he'll return to the uh, the stern of the ship, I think. Yeah, there's the prow, <laughs> the stern. Got it. Port and starboard are the left and right. <laughs> Take to the sea. Um, okay, based on all of our nautical knowledge, I bet we're getting off this boat pretty soon. <laughs> uh, well, it is called Curse Code Curse boat and, and uh, Breaker High. So we're staying on oh. this boat. We're going to learn high school and go on adventures. Um, no, Duncan's we will the be Ryan Gosling. Yeah. Naturally. Uh, okay, Wicked. So you... Um, You've been on the boat for a few days, as I said. Um, now that this kind of most pressing matter has been attended to, is there anything um, you think the three of you would have discussed over and above kind of what you discussed at the end of last session, given that you've actually had some time now? I know you're all still kind of feeling each other out, so it's not like you'd necessarily be having <laughs> character-building heart-to-hearts, but... Uh, <laughs> Um, I Just think like, my father never loved me. <laughs> you know, the interesting Join thing the about club. my backstory is, yeah, I think there would have been two conversations that took place between kind of like Duncan and each of these characters. Um, one would be knowing that Gwendolyn is now fighting people pretty often with this sword and we're going somewhere dangerous. I think Duncan would have offered sword fight training 
for like an hour every morning and an hour in the afternoon to try to teach Gwendolyn how to fight. I don't know if she would have accepted or not, but he would have made the offer. Day one, uh, definitely accepted. Day two, half-hearted, took a break, <laughs> didn't want to get back to it. Day three, didn't even respond to you. Who are you, me at the gym? <laughs> um, okay, so... Uh, Laura, can you please roll me an attack roll? Uh, Ryan, what's your AC? My AC is 16 now. All right, so go ahead and roll me an attack against Duncan, please. Okay. Nat 20. Ooh, you're dead, Duncan. You're fucking dead. (laughs) (laughs) Hand me your laptop. Um, Okay, cool. So with a Nat 20, that's that's pretty rad, Um, obviously. Uh, so I'm going to say uh, you gain uh, a point of advantage. Nice. Um, that you can use. Uh, you find that uh, even though you're not tremendously trained, uh, the you're not sure whether it's the armor or the sword, but some combination therein seems to... It's not that you... like. I, I don't want this to seem as though it's like Matrix style, you just magically know these things. Like It's not like an item yeah. kung fu. It's more so that uh, this body is is so used to those things that, as, and this is kind of what we talked about last session as well, mm-hmm. that as you think them, it kind of does them. Like, it's just better at, it's like a training there, there's There's no learning the muscle memory. Exactly right. Like it has yeah. muscle memory that you do not have. You don't have the, the tactical mindset. However, it responds well. So particularly as Duncan is, like, walking you through essentially like kata your brain is like your your brain is like okay i think i understand this but your body is is better uh, uh, adept at it um but that doesn't mean that your willpower is any stronger or that your desire to learn is any stronger so um rather than actually like leveling up the skill you gain a point of advantage so you you feel as though you basically i think it's also like after day one you're like i think i'm kind of fine at this also Fighting on a boat sucks when it's that this small. Um, Duncan, can you go ahead and roll me, um, I'll say, a dexterity save, please? That is a... Uh, 19. 19. Um, fighting on a boat is not fun for a guy who fights on the land. Um... But you did mention that you'd probably gone on the swan boats and, like, run through some sword drills uh, from time to time. Um, and, uh, yeah, to your kind of pleasant surprise, uh, that uh, it worked enough. Like, it's it's still like fighting with your offhand. You're never going to be great at it. But uh, you didn't take a, a swim, um, <laughs> which is what the, the save was for. It was a lot of, like, whoa. whoa. <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, as anyone like in Canada walking on like uh, black ice finds, where you're just like you take a step and you're like, uh, I can't really do anything. We're just gonna see. We're gonna see how slippy slippy this is. We're gonna see how gracefully I can fall. <laughs> yeah. What what part of myself am I the most willing to break? Um, cool. So. Yeah. Oh, sorry. I was going to say, so if we want to imagine how the lesson went, knowing how I think the day would go, that would also increase your frustration. I feel like it started with Kata because he'd run you through moves. Um, And then the sparring would be incredibly frustrating because I think Duncan, while in Kata mode, would probably be a pretty good teacher. But he actually can't allow himself to lose 
So <laughs> in sparring, he would constantly beat you and then point out what was wrong. But on day one, I doubt you got past the first sword strike without theoretically being killed every single time. But yeah. he he would have taught you a trick that he would consider to be at your level for fighting other people who don't know what to do. And the answer is the opening move of a fight is to move forward and just step on the other guy's foot and then pin it in place so they can't back up like they think they're going to. Okay. Because he's like, you can do that. <laughs> so, <laughs> I think there's also something fun in uh, a swashbuckler whose um, sword skills and even like actual sword itself are built for finesse. Uh, trying to teach someone in full knight's armor with a broadsword, which is more about, like, smashy, smashy, stabby, stab. Like, it's almost true. Yeah. Like, this was one of the things that blew my mind when I was learning, like, I went to a museum and learned about medieval combat, but, like, for broadswords, it was more like, I'm gonna hit you with a baseball bat till you fall down, and then yeah. I just stick you with the pokey bit, as opposed to, like, we shall duel. Um, <laughs> so, I think, Ryan, it's fun, because uh, for Duncan, you're you're kind of, like, reverse engineering all the things you hate fighting. Yeah, he spent his entire life training to fight people like this, not to fight as people like yeah, this. Yeah, so yeah, he knows yeah. tricks, but he's got to like figure out how the physicality of it works for a haunted suit of armor. Well, and admittedly, it's also helpful to just be like, these are the things that have stopped me in the past. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe they'll work for you. Um, that's fun. Uh, Maka, what do you think you've been doing over, over these few days, aside from kind of keeping track of the um, the the death counter, as it were? Yeah, um, I think a lot of time spent just in sort of a meditative state, just conferring with the cluster, um, just kind of letting myself kind of just hit, get hit by wave after wave of the, the consciousness of the cluster. Um, probably feeling like a little bit of a, like a speck in space being the only kind of uh, like beacon for this force in the ocean, mm -hmm. maybe feeling life like way, way deep below or something. A hundred percent. Yeah, I was gonna but, say um, you do. You get uh, sort of almost interference. I think mm -hmm. with with it, but not in an unpleasant way. It's actually in a, in a refreshing way. Um, but it's a little bit like if you were listening to music that you normally listen to and that's very comfortable and familiar, uh, and then. Like it's like being between radio stations. You start to get other music, and it's not unpleasant. It's not like when you were um, in uh, the Forge, where it was like oppressively non-existent. It's just mm -hmm. the the kind of um, the cycle works differently in the ocean. Sure. Yeah. Um, so okay, yeah, that's cool. I like that. Um, Wicked. All right. Uh, so the other question I have for you is in terms of food. Um, so. Gwendolyn, you don't need to eat. Nope. But I think the, in the same way that they, they always talk about, like, the, everyone's like, wouldn't it be great if we didn't have to sleep? It's like, no, your body would still get super tired and it would be terrible. Like, sleep is great. Good for sleep. Uh, I think you still, like, feel the, the natural kind of biological urge to eat at mm. the appropriate, like, three square. Because also you're a princess. Like, you got those three yeah. square. and I like, still have, like, my brain and remember <laughs> like, exactly. my so, desires before I was a suit of armor. Yeah, I think you kind of have, like, phantom limb syndrome, but about your stomach. <laughs> so it's like you're just, you're hungry, but you can't. So uh, give that a think and kind of how you think Gwendolyn would respond to that. Um, 
Duncan, I feel like, uh, similar to our, our dear pals, the Great Coats, uh, you likely have a bunch of, like, kind of probably, I would say, maybe on extraordinary rationing, like, maybe four days worth of very limited jerky and kind of, like, trail trail rations. Do you That have checks out with my pack where it says five days rations, so yeah, I agree. <laughs> Great. Um, so yeah, so you have five days rations. Uh, if you, if it says on your pack, you'd have five days, then I would say with kind of extraordinary rationing, you could probably say 10 if you really, okay. but you're not going to be eating well. It's, it's the like, I don't know when I'll eat again. Um, Maka, do you swim? Uh, I can. Um, I, uh, would probably feel most comfortable just on the ship at this point. Um, okay. So do you think you'd be using, like, Goodberry? Do you think you would be uh, yeah. fishing? Just, Ooh, like Maybe fishing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm kind of curious for you as well, Duncan, because the thing is you have these rations. That doesn't mean you have to eat them. Yeah, I mean, Duncan would be all about figuring out how to fish and bring stuff there because it would be on his skill set. Also, if Maka was also considering that or doing that, he'd want to know more about Maka. He doesn't know terribly much about him or the cycle, but Duncan believes that the Dawnbreakers owe the whole world protection. So the cycle kind of falls within his purview. His code mm. kind of covers everything. <laughs> okay. So um, let's say on on kind of um, day one was mostly just getting... Probably day one and two, we're figuring out how to sail. Um, okay. And how okay. to kind of... So we're not that far. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, like it's the, like a shorter trip than it had to be, but we were. Yeah, figuring I shit mean, out. the current the current <laughs> carried you, the wind carried you, but it was things yeah. like like I I took a, a sailing class when I was younger, and it is fascinating. Uh, wind is a crazy motherfucker, and trying to like kind of wrap your head around how to make a sail work because in movies it's just like put up the sail, wind hits the back of the sail, off we go. You're good. Um, but there's all sorts of weird kind of micro adjustments and things. So you were able to make progress, but yeah, it's not like you were, you know, riding the waves. Uh, it took a couple days, but also figuring out like how to sleep on this thing. Is it okay mm-hmm. to like not man the tiller for the evening? Will that Yeah, we're all it? paranoid about not leaving it unsupervised. So it took, it took a couple days of, sh- of kind of shittiness. Um, and then, uh, so day three, we've, we've just kind of begun uh, and having dealt with the kind of immediate concern of the body, uh, I think uh, we're feeling confident enough now to, to try fishing. So, Ryan, if you could mark, um, let's say, uh, if you're trying to ration it out in a hard way, mark one off. If you think you'd be eating kind of like a regular human, mark two, please. Cool. I think he would go light on the boat because he's not expecting to fight these days, whereas any day he's expecting to fight, he would eat as normal. Yep. Uh, Gwendolyn, uh, how, how do you think you've been coping with hunger? Do you tell them about it? Do you just sit on it? What's the, what's Um, the jam? I think, I think, I think I would, I would do this kind of, um, uh, I think I would do this in like in privacy and I would just kind of like sneak away and like, I can take a little like piece of like fish or something and just like <laughs> open my visor and like put it in. Smush it on your face. Yeah. Well, I can, I can, like, I got a visor, right? It's just yeah. gonna fall and collect and, like, inside. So, and just your armor's gonna stink. <laughs> like, yeah. it's like heat. 
Just I'm gonna finish it off fast, kid. It's just it's like this is metal kind of feet like, full of fish. Like she's so desperate and like knows that this is stupid, but also is like, come, come on. Like, yeah. this, on the plus this side, you guys now have a wicked good smoker for fish and meat. You can just dry it out inside Gwendolyn yeah. and. Uh, yeah, yeah okay, so... Um, burn some herbs inside of her, her armor. <laughs> yeah, it's cool. If you want to, like, do a brisket or something, you're good. <laughs> um, so, Gwendolyn, let's say, then, that you don't do that when Duncan is eating his, like, rations, because those seem like they're in limited supply. We'll say, like, yeah. once the fish situation has been sorted, then it's much easier to be like, oh, we have yeah, an abundant sure. supply of these. Cool. Uh, okay, so... Um, on the, the third day, uh, Gwendolyn, you, you finally go and take a, a turn at the, the tiller, which is actually pretty good because you can just kind of freeze in place, uh, which means you are <laughs> yeah. a damn sturdy hand at uh, <laughs> steady hand of the tiller. Um, so, uh, Duncan and Maka, how do you guys want to try and fish? Um, do you want to try and spearfish, which probably won't, will be very difficult at this level unless you can, like, bait them with something? Do you want to try and build fishing rods what's uh what's the jam um i think it would start with fishing rods and depending on how effective we are at that um maka i think would have a a backup plan okay ditto for for Declan. i think yeah we duncan we, we would try <laughs> fishing first like i've, I've yeah. seen pictures i'm sure of a fishing yeah. rod like i've seen an image of an old fisher <laughs> so that's <laughs> Trying to reverse engineer that based on a picture he saw would be Duncan's plan. Unless Maka had a better idea. Thanks for supporting the Fable and Folly Network. Here's another show we know you'll love. Every day in the nice little Canadian town of Beaver Mount, Ontario is pretty much the same. Folks are polite. There's a hockey game that evening. And someone gets brutally murdered. Sorry About the Murder, a very Canadian murder mystery podcast. New episodes weekly. Listen to season one now by typing Sorry About the Murder into your favorite podcast app. Ah, Hello, everyone. Uh, this is Tyler Hewitt, just coming at you with a little special offer for you. You know, if you're a fan of uh, what we're doing here on the show, then we have, to borrow a phrase from Jerry Holkins, a patron-oriented experience tailored just for you. If you go to patreon.com slash dice. You can sign up and get a bunch of special features that we're not really going to make available to anyone else. So do that now. Well, not right now, but, you know. Okay. Uh, I'm just pulling up my fishing rolls here. <laughs> Sorry, I just... I just imagine, like, while Tom's looking at that, just imagining, like, that episode of The Office when, like, the office workers go, like, try to... Uh, they switch places with the warehouse workers and, like, are trying to load the truck and think they're like, we've seen this done. We can probably do it better <laughs> and just, like, completely fuck it up. <laughs> I was going to say, no, this is Michael Scott in the woods thinking he's doing a survival weekend. <laughs> oh, it's even better. Destroys his pants to make a hat. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then duct tapes them back together. <laughs> Look, we've all been there. Who hasn't worn a duct tape and hat? Um, okay, Wicked. So uh, what I'm going to need from you guys, and you can, you can kind of uh, figure out... Um, what, which of you wants to tackle what? Um, but I'm going to need a survival check 
first and foremost, to see if you can find fish. Uh, I think Maka would, would take this one on. Yep. And um, Ryan, you can assist. Uh, so if you want to roll a d20, uh, if you also succeed, uh, we'll add plus one to Tyler's roll. Cool. That's a good roll. That's a total of uh, 25 survival. Nice. Holy shit, man. I rolled a 13, but I was like, I know there's fish around, <laughs> but I don't know where. <laughs> All right, so um, Maka, yeah, you're able to, uh, it's a lot different than than catching fish in your swamp uh, by well, quite the, some. The, the turtle have been fishing for centuries. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. it's not a, I think it's, it's not a muscle you flex very often, but it's definitely a muscle that exists. Like in um, my, my former life kind of thing, yeah. Yeah, 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 Pre, pre-swamp. pre uh, Also, I just think every turtle is kind of raised with... Yeah. It, it's just a basic skill that, that you would have. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, okay, cool. So let me just roll on my handy fish chart. <laughs> I literally Googled this as we were talking. I didn't realize we were going fishing today. Man, the internet's good for D&D resources. <laughs> my God. I was like, D&D fishing 5e question mark? And they're like, (laughs) I got you, boo. Interesting fact, Tom. I apparently have navigator's tools. Just a fact about what, like a navigator's hammer and like a navigator's (laughs) tongs. Oh, man. So you have a compass? Yeah, I bet I have one of those like sextets and compasses and shit. I know how to use it from my swan boat practice. (laughs) (laughs) Hence, it still took us three days to figure it out. Let me just roll on my... Oh, my goodness. I do like the idea that you've just got a bunch of garbage in your bag that you yeah. don't know what it's for, and all of a sudden it's like... So they call oh, this I a sex tet. I haven't figured out how to use it during sex, but they <laughs> tell you, you'll figure out where to go. <laughs> all right. <laughs> I'm still looking for the clitoris. <laughs> Charting a course to the clitoris. <laughs> when I figure this out, I'll be irresistible. <laughs> Wait a minute. This map just says, here there be dragons. Ah, oh, damn it. Um, all right, so you um, you feel a tug on uh, on your improvised uh, uh, fishing rod. Um, I assume Maka would be using the rod, so go ahead and roll me a strength check, please, as you battle the fish. We've both been playing a lot of Animal Crossing. It's nipped twice, and then the floater <laughs> and the fish have gone under. Man, I'm all I'm just say, picturing Ocarina of Time also going fair. fishing. It's kind of like that. That's a yeah. uh, 14 strength say, roll. Tom, can I backseat drive, as I believe Duncan would, saying when to reel it in or let it loose? I don't even know if that'll help. I just want to do that. Uh, <laughs> you 100% can. Maka, would you actually listen to him, given that your people have been fishing for <laughs> eons? Um, <laughs> I would hear him. Yep. But I know what to do. And so if his instructions coincide with what I yep. should do, of course I will do that. Great. Uh, if not, I will try and catch this fish yeah. and then have notes. I think I was, yeah, I think I was mostly wondering uh, if you're so polite that you might just be like, oh, okay, man, whatever you say. Oh, no, it got away. That's, you know, it, no. it's in future. No. Not with our food. I wouldn't be doing that with our food. Okay, great. Um, wicked. So, yes, you, you managed to pull um, a large trout uh, up and out. Um, into into the boat um, and uh, yeah you you you're you're kind of I think pleasantly surprised to see that you still got that ability mm. that you you know you still got it got it that's great <laughs> can you um, do it again mm-hmm. uh, go ahead hand with the uh, fish to him yeah so uh, go ahead and roll with advantage now now that you've done it that's a nat twenty 
I don't even know what stat you want me to roll, but I got an unopposed strength check. Gotta tell you, the fish don't have that big strength. Um, so yeah, you manage uh, over the course of uh, sort of the next hour or so, you manage to catch a few more enough that you could dry some of it out um, and and kind of uh, keep it on hand, um, but certainly enough to kind of keep you going for the next little while. Um, so as you've been fishing, though, um, Ryan, you'd mentioned that you want to um, sort of get to know what. Uh, get to know Maka a bit better. Um, so kind of as that check is is playing out, um, what sort of stuff do you think you'd be asking him? I think Duncan would just want to be sure, like, so I understand from what I've heard about the cycle that this is life for all things, or is it just for the turtles, or is it just for those who follow your god? Like, how does it spread around? All natural things follow the cycle hmm. to to divert from the cycle is unnatural dark hmm. so would you say that you're a warrior for the turtles or are you a defender of the cycle I serve the cycle now Jossie turtle god of death saved me for a purpose put me on a new path if I must become a warrior on that path, then so be it. I feel like our gods might be friends, you know? Because you've got the god of death, and I've got the god of justice. So we got the lord of blades. How does uh, Jossie appear in the world? How do you think? I mean, none of us know the gods, unless you literally do, in which case that's equally impressive and terrifying. The moon. Jossie is in the moon. And I will gesture to my forehead and my chest where the symbol of Jossie, a a downward crescent moon with the two points facing upward, um, have been sort of painted on to the front of my my shell on my chest and also between my eyes on my brow. Oh no, I pictured it wrong. That's okay. uh, I thought it was this way. (laughs) Whoops. That's okay. Yeah, it's a smile, not a character. frown. <laughs> Whoops. Um, Tom. Yes. This is a question. Is there a moon built into the symbols on the Dawnbreaker coppers? Because we haven't discussed, so I just don't know. Uh, so there have been moons, uh, but the, the thing is that similar to kind of any, uh, if you think about like, the way armament of, say, the samurai cast worked or anything else over time. Uh, there have been different views. I, I'm, the way I'm kind of thinking about the evolution of the Dawnbreakers is almost, <laughs> this is a weird parallel, but like, bear with me, um, almost the way Egyptian, uh, ancient Egyptian uh, mythology shifted based on who was in power. So over the years, uh, different things came in and out of fashion. So initially, the, the, the coppers were purely like just a, hey, like this is a sign that that we serve the common people and that we we um, stand with um, Amala. Um, as time went on, though, people got bored of of, of that. So there were sometimes when there were carvings, uh, people's victories would be carved into them, um, their achievements. Uh, there was time when your failures would be there. There were times when you would list um, fallen warriors that you'd slain, uh, the names of the people you'd protect on one arm, people you'd fight on the other. But um, in terms of 
There's never been a hard lunar iconography, largely because Amala herself, as time went on, almost became... If the Dawnbreakers were going to worship anything, it would be that. Now, that said, solar iconography is very popular simply because she took the name Solaris um, and was the bringer of Dawn. So you guys are more sun-based than... than Okay, so there's probably a sun at the center of the designs on the coppers that would identify a Dawnbreaker currently. So I would point to... Uh, the copper on my arm and say, so we've got the moon and we've got the sun on the scale of things. Between you and I, it seems we are the balance. And with the princess here, we may be the balance in these equals. The sun and moon are part of a cycle all their own, you see. Night and day. Death and and life. Hmm. And you said your cycle has been broken. That it's not working the way it's supposed to? Mm-hmm. Yes. Something weakening, threatening the cycle. I do not know for certain what it is, but I know I have been put on a path to put things right. Mm. Sire Tordal, I am sworn to protect the code that I follow and to protect the crown. And that means I have to protect the princess and her armor and whatever's going on there. But I'm also sworn to protect all living things, to protect the weak, to undo the wicked. And I swear to you now, I will help you return this cycle back to normal for the good of your people and mine and the world. Maka will uh, reach out for a a firm handshake. I will uh, accept that and partake in it. Cool. Mm -hmm. Um, so Ryan, uh, what, this is a bit of like mutual weird backstory mythology stuff, so feel free to ask if you need further clarification. Duncan lives in an age where Dawnbreaker's gauntlets are gilt with gold and inlay and precious gems and are, are very ornate. Uh, bedazzled is not the incorrect term for, for what these things look like now. Um... Obviously, that's not your jam. So you've mentioned that you have sun iconography. What do you think Duncan's philosophy on his coppers would be? Are they styled after the original Dawnbreakers? Do you think there's an era that he likes? Did did he just do his own thing? Um, What do you think his philosophy around these are? See, I don't think he'd have the information on exactly what they were like, but I think he'd look at the historically significant people and any images he had of nobility. I think his coppers would be engraved instead of bedazzled Mm -hmm. because he would believe that you have to, like, carve things in in a way that can't be taken off. So, okay, cool. Love that. So in line with that, then, um, do you add the the sigil of Jossie uh, to one of your bracers? Hmm. If he could do it well, yes. If it would look slipshod, he would wait until he could find someone who would do it well. Do you... So with that in mind, has he been going to engravers previously or has he been doing it himself? I think... My guess would be he's going to engravers because he doesn't have any, like, smithing skill or that kind of thing. I think he'd draw up the design. It's like going to get a tattoo. He designs his own tattoos, but a pro does them. Okay. Um, Keep that in mind as we kind of advance uh, because the interesting piece about kind of the way, how like much of a question mark the world is right now um, if at some point you think he would just start even if it wouldn't be as artistically good engraving 
things himself, uh, feel free to let me know. So that's always been one of the things I find really interesting about kind of like extended quest narratives is when people go from, honestly, it's, it's kind of what we're doing in isolation right now, where it's like, oh, I, I buy bread. Maybe I should make bread. I don't really know how to make bread. My bread's going to be shitty, but like, it's kind of where we're at. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, just keep that in mind uh, as as sort of a thing as we move forward. Um, cool. Uh, Laura, you had a thing you wanted to jump in with. Um, um, is the moon visible in the sky right now during the day? Uh, not during the day. Okay, that's fine. Then nothing to say. Mysterious. Okay. Um, okay, so... Uh, Are you a werewolf? <laughs> you can what a me. twist. Rare, says the armor. <laughs> yeah, the armor just sprouts fur. <laughs> oh boy, not again. Uh, oh no, a robot dog. She truly is it's just, a it's teen just the fish wolf. growing mold. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, okay, wicked. So um, the uh, day shifts into evening. Um, you're all able to uh, enjoy uh, a meal of kind of... Um, Likely just salted salted fish um, uh, with, I think, Duncan, you probably have, like, travel salt <laughs> or some such. Um, Maka, you probably know a few ways to, to eat it. It's probably like a sashimi style. I, I also, I have an herbalism kit, so I could break oh. down a couple, uh, a couple herbs into, like, some spices or, like, a rub of some kind, that right. kind of thing, um, to smoke the fish or, or cool. to infuse them with, yeah. So uh, I'm going to give um, both of you um, D4, uh, so three temporary hit points uh, that don't disappear at like the end of a day or anything. They'll just disappear when, when they get used. Okay. Um, but similar to games that uh, give you bonus XP for like resting and not playing for an hour, um, you just you're both like having a, successfully caught the fish and actually treated them in a way and, and figured out how to make them nourishing. Um, you're you're both feeling pretty good. Okay. Um. So uh, another few days pass. Um. As uh, as you get closer and closer to uh, the bone spurs, and uh, as each day comes to a close, uh, the nights are getting colder and colder, and it goes from a, sort of a chill breeze mm. that makes you shiver to um, a constant kind of um, sitting cold. Um, and you can, you can see kind of heavy, dark clouds uh, over the mountains as you get closer. Uh, and the blue skies you enjoyed on the way here uh, have slowly receded um, and are, are now uh, mostly covered by a sort of a constant gray cloud cover. Um, on the third day, Gwendolyn, you're sitting at the, uh, the prow of the ship um, Lay, laying down. Laying and down. Planking. Great. You're just fully Thank planking. Uh, face yeah. buried or face up at the sky? Face up. Face up. Forward. Um, yeah. you're, you're staring up at the sky, and um, it's a day that you have been kind of mentally counting down to, um, sort of with or without Maka. And uh, as um, sort of the, the first sort of dark gray light of dawn hits, uh, you realize that today is the last day um, that your body uh, would be preserved based on, on Maka's um, spells and enchantments. Uh, and as you kind of sit in the, the silence of that, um, small white flakes um, begin to drift 
uh, downward from the sky uh, and um, sort of hit your hit your armor and, and slowly uh, melt on it. And um, you realize that uh, you're seeing snow for the first time as uh, as you approach the mountains. What does that? Uh, what effect does that have on Gwendolyn? Um, I, I I think she's a little bit in awe mm-hmm. at this because um, I'm sure she's heard of it, but. Yeah. never seen before and uh she immediately goes to stick out her tongue and realizes she doesn't have a tongue and the, then just oh face man, goes sad. down again it's like a metallic clank like it's <laughs> like yeah. the the bottom piece um cranks yeah so um with uh with that you kind of ease back into uh the sort of um security of the ship as uh, as a light snow begins to fall um Duncan and Maka, uh, it is now getting very cold. Uh, cold enough that uh, you need to bundle up a bit. Um, there are some kind of assorted things, um, sort of sackcloth and that sort of thing you can use to kind of um, layer onto your, your current gear. Um, but what what do you think that, like, Maka, I guess for you particularly, since you're, I mean, turtles are technically reptilian, so I guess you would... Regulate your yeah. body temperature. Oh yeah, I didn't think of that. Like, this yeah, might it's not, not actually comfortable. Oh, you know, it's not. Uh, it's not preferable to typical like swamp and just basic like coastal climate, yeah. right? Yeah, I think um, so. Maybe that might be the best way to think of it for you. Is it's not that it, it's it's unpleasant. It's not mm-hmm. harmful. It's just not great. Yeah. Um, and, uh, Ryan, what do you think Duncan does to, to kind of up his, cause like in terms of the gear you're wearing, I'm kind of imagining that Orville's, uh, kind of like a, a Vancouver style temperature where winter is like a little chilly, but like, you know, a slightly heavier cloak will do, uh, as opposed to like Ontario cold, which is like, no, it's just cold now. Yeah, no, he's like, yeah. it's like California winter. Yeah. Where they're like, Ooh, I might have to wear a sweater. Yeah. Um, so I would imagine he would probably uh, like triple line the interior of his cape just so that he could like sweep it over himself if he was sitting for any length of time. And oh man, he would fucking hate this. He probably would also have to like double or triple layer his leather clothing just so that it's there. He would probably put it on the outside because he doesn't want the shittier stuff to touch him because they would bug the <laughs> shit out of him. Uh, and I feel like he'd probably keep his arms relatively free and then just use the cape to kind of keep himself sure. almost like swirled around. So it's like it's snowsuit style sackcloth and then the cape spins around to cover the arms, but he's still pretty limber because he can free himself. It would just go from probably a lot of dramatic pacing to more dramatic sitting no. <laughs> at and- the rudder. Uh, Gwendolyn, when you finally do attempt to rise, uh, you actually find that you're a bit stiff. Uh, it seems the oh. cold is, um, again, in that kind of weird phantom limb way, you can feel it. It doesn't feel the same as it did when you were in flesh, but it's definitely present. And yeah. as you sit up, you you almost creak. Um, and you realize that uh, the cold is is having adverse effects on on your metallic form. How do you think uh, visually? What do you think Gwendolyn does? To, does does she like gear up? What's what do you think um, the deal is? 
I mean, what is there to gear up with? Like, who so, fucking is gear? There's, um, well, no, in terms of, like, so there is, uh, as, as I say, there's, like, sackcloth. Um, oh, there's okay. yeah. kind of, like, a, um, material to patch the sail. Um, there's sort um, of, like, heavy materials in the, uh, the, the storage bay underneath. I mean, yeah, I, I think, um, she would want something, like, a wrap, like, some sort of cloak that she can put around her, but as, like, is she generating her own body heat? Is that uh, something that would she discover that like that doesn't help? It's more so that having something between her and the wind and the snow will lessen the effect of the cold on the armor. Mm. You know, you're not ice generating ice won't form on it. Yeah, you're not generating heat. Okay. You're just preventing the cold from really settling on on. Okay, armor. yeah, gotcha. Yeah, then then definitely. Yeah, it'll want. still be absolutely like if someone were to lick your armor, you got a full on Christmas story problem. Yeah, yeah okay. but um, it just means yeah, it's it's. Okay, so you just kind of cloak up a bit. Um, I'm imagining it's kind of like one of those weird like wrap scarves, like sort of improvised hood. Yes, 100%. Um, and then kind of begrudgingly uh, like bending all of her joints every oh. once in a while. Cool. Yeah, okay. and uh, Declan will oil his Duncan. rapier and... Uh, Duncan. Damn. Uh, but Duncan <laughs> will oil his uh, rapier and scabbard and his pistol because... He doesn't want them to freeze up on him should he uh, need them. Do you share any of the oil with the Tin Man over here? How much oil does the Tin Man need to use on the Tin Man? I would say, yeah, I'll use, I've got two flasks. So I'll burn through one flask on, like, keep the armor functional and keep the equipment functional. I think it's also... to invest in both. I was going to say, you also recognize that, like... And this is, I guess, the question I have for you on this. Um, this might be more of a psychological help than a physical help. The oil will, will certainly help a little bit, but also, it, I think it's it's literally like putting a Band-Aid on a child. I remember as a kid, like, if I had a cut or anything, if a Band-Aid went on it, I was just like, oh, it's fine now. The Band-Aid's there. So I think to some extent, um, I guess my question is, as someone who is pretty practical, would you burn oil to make her feel kind of the effect of having, like, a warm blanket on a cold day? No. If I, but I also wouldn't oil my gear in front of her. It would just be a quiet thing that she doesn't know happened. If if I think it's superficial, I wouldn't do it. Well, if I think it would make her slightly better, I, I then think. I, do it. I think. Sorry, I should clarify. I think you're fifty fifty. It's like you know she will view this as a nice thing, but also you've seen <laughs> cold armor and it sucks. You so, think she'll view this as a nice thing? <laughs> well, I don't know. Yeah, you can ask her. Um, <laughs> I just think you're I, watching her like tin man her arms a bit. Uh, again, it's up to you, but uh, I'll wait till we're on land because okay. I, if I use it today and it comes off in the night, it's going to be a real waste when we're not doing anything. Cool. Yeah. So it's it's a practical solution, not a, an emotional one. Great. Yes. Um, okay. So um, Gwendolyn uh, and I guess Maka for you as well. Near the end of of this sixth day on on the water, uh, it is now very very clear that the the time has come and gone for the uh, the body. Do you perform any ritual? Do you... Is there any sort of um, ceremony for either of you that you think you would do? Um, I would approach Gwendolyn um, uh, after the final day just to let her know that it has happened. Um, and I would just say, uh, Gwendolyn, I can feel it in 
cluster. The magic that was preserving your body is finished. Now, nature will take its course. Hmm. Is there any last rites you would like performed for your former body? Hmm. Um, how's about we just all agree to never speak of it again? Hmm. And that would be good enough for me. Hmm, this is an odd request, Gwendolyn, but I will honor it if that is what you wish. Most funeral rites are an act of remembering, a promise to remember. Yep, that's great. Whatever you want to do. Mm. I'm just like kind of not having it. Like, Duncan, would you intercede on this at all, or do you think you would stay out of this? I think the princess is so emotionally volatile that Duncan is a bit conflicted in that he doesn't want to force this, but the biggest problem with Orvel has always been ignoring the past and moving on as though it's not a thing, which grates with him wrong. Uh, so I think he might chime in and just say, Sire Turtle, if you could perform whatever ceremony you would for a turtle, that would be appreciated. We all need to remember the sacrifices that have been made in the name of this cause. The princess sacrificed a body, lost a body, and we move forward. We shan't forget. Okay. Um, Mako will um, nod to this, um, and uh, he will uh, fall to his knees. um, And uh, he'll reach over his shoulder, grab a a deathcap mushroom, and just pulverize it in his hands. Um, no, you know, he'll use his herbalism kit and mortar and pestle it down into just like a white goo. Um, and he'll dip his fingers in it and he will, on the deck of the ship, uh, paint with his fingers the symbol of Jossie, just a crescent moon. Um, and um, he will say, uh, uh, normally I treat the body, but in its absence we can still pray to Jossie. Hmm. Pray that this corpse will yield rich life to many other creatures and life forms. We pray that, and at this point now, he's like, he was talking to you about it, and now like his eyes are closed and his arms are raised, and he is just doing the rites uh, and just says, uh, we ask Jossie to be kind and gentle guiding this body into the next step of the cycle. We humbly request that many life forms benefit from the loss of this one, hmm, so that their life force may be spread, so that many may thrive from the loss of one hmm, in, in this your name, Jossie, we pray. Mm. And he'll pause for a moment and then he'll rise from the deck um, and uh, he'll wipe away the symbol of Jossie now that the ceremony is complete. Cool. 
he'll nod to Gwendolyn and nod to Duncan, and he'll just kind of go back to the uh, end of the ship and uh, throw the cloak over himself that he that you guys gave him to uh, hide his turtle form so that people didn't freak out. And he'll just use that for warmth now instead. Duncan will nod and just go back to the tiller. Yeah, and having been kind of chastised by Duncan, I I also kind of, I just nod back too. Uh, just recognizing that it's something, it's not worth the fight. Like, this is clearly meaningful, and even if I'm not finding meaning in it now, like, I'll let them have it. Um, and uh, with that, the, the third day comes to an end, or the sixth day, rather, comes to an end. Um... Gwendolyn, you are, um, when you're in your off time, are you staring off the prow or up in the sky or down at the... Uh, kind of straight ahead. Straight ahead? So yeah. on the kind, seven... of, kind of blankly looking, though, honestly. Yep, oh, I understand. Um, so at this point, uh, the bone spurs have become massive, um, and uh, you can tell that you're, you're rapidly uh, approaching them. Um, for the first time, you can see the shore. And it's jagged and wooden um, in a way that uh, reminds, um, I guess it reminds you of battlements you'd read about, uh, improvised um, sort of, uh, if you were going to make a barricade, it almost looks like that. Um, but also to your surprise, uh, the um, ocean directly ahead of you seems to have changed color. Um, it's uh, firm and uh, almost glassy and white, uh, and you realize that there is a tremendous ice shelf um, spreading beyond the uh, the base of these mountains that uh, your tiny boat is rapidly approaching. Um, and it's it's not a it's not like you know a few feet of this. This is like there's there's a mile and a bit of uh, of ice. Um, but uh, it seems that uh, your your journey might be coming to an end. Duncan and Maka, uh, you also observe this, and uh, I think immediately like drop the sail and start kind of drifting. But uh, even cutting speed as much as you can, uh, the ice seemed to come out of nowhere, um, and uh, you the boat slows, but still. Uh, you you can see you're going to impact pretty hard. So my question to you is: Do you brace? Do you attempt to turn or do you attempt to jump off? I know Adam McNamara would be so happy to get to brace yeah. if this was Edge of the Empire uh, dumb scum, but given that it's not, what do you do? Uh, I'm just having a quick look at spells that might help us. Not really. Uh, uh, it's, it's, <laughs> it, to be clear, it's not like you're going to hit this and the boat's going to explode. Right. No. It's just, just literally you had up. good momentum, and I think given that none of you have really encountered ice before, it's kind of like, oh, that looks weird. What is, oh, shit. Where knowing we haven't encountered a ton of ice before, Duncan would think that this was like the ice we found around Swan Boat sometimes. So it's like an inch thick. The boat will stop when it needs to, but it's yeah. probably not a problem. So I feel like he'd just like brace himself and be ready to just kind of like rather than hold himself still because strength isn't his strong suit, I think it's just be ready for like controlled rolls and balance to stay in place. Cool. Yeah, I don't think Maka's first instinct would be to abandon ship. Um, even I think because being a turtle, that's something that he's like got in his back pocket, no, like no matter what. I was going, um, yeah, yeah. I'll just so, walk. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
So I think he would want to stay on the ship and make sure everyone else is is okay on the ship. And I take my cue from Duncan in this new situation. Um, All right. So um, the the feeling fairly confident, uh, the three of you just kind of remain heroically posed. (laughs) Um, and uh, your your small ship impacts against uh, the edge of the ice shelf, uh, and you hear a sickening crunch. Um, and you're not like tossed off the boat, but you all like awkwardly fall forward um, in the boat. Um, and Duncan, you can see that uh, the bottom has been badly pierced, and water is starting to just flood into it. All right, everyone off. This is not going to be a place we can stay. Uh, take what you need. So you all grab your, your sort of key gear and um, pile off the boat uh, onto the, the shelf. Um, and uh, within minutes, uh, it's taken on a tremendous amount of water. And you see the sail just kind of like the, I guess at this point, it's just the mask as you drop sail, but like collapse into the water as the, uh, the boat uh, turtles and, uh, and begins to, uh, to sink as the, the capsizing has become complete. Um, and watching it go and kind of staring back the way you came uh, against a, a sort of um, steel gray sky and an endless horizon, uh, you realize that now, truly, there's no way to go but forward. And so you turn your back on everything you've known, stare forward at the sort of snow-raked dunes ahead of you, uh, and begin to trudge through the cold towards the mountains. This episode of Curse Code and Crown Sound was mixed and edited by Laura Hamstra, and the campaign was created by Tom McGee. Our original theme music was composed by Landon Noblock, and Curse Code and Crown's logo was created by the brilliant Decapitated Markers. If you want to follow our players or our DM on Twitter, you can reach out to Laura at EL Hamstring, Ryan at the Ryan LeBlanc. Tyler at Tyler underscore Hewitt, Tom McGee at McGee TD, or you can message our whole company at Dum Dum Dice. So please join us again for more Curse Code and Crown! Dum Dums and Dice has to give a special thank you to the supreme beings of our Patreon at this time. Christian Manicola, Long Long, The Half-Blind Prophet, James Quayar, Charles Grams, Christopher Little, Sue One, George Dolby, One True Artistry, Orion Birchfield, Lorda Bradovic, Noel Lewis, Scott Garland, Anthony Griffin, Chet Awesome Laser, Jordan Neesmith, Benjamin V, Gavin and Abby McDonald, Taryn Hefner, and Jill and Noel Laplante. If you want your name to be added to this list, you can join our Patreon too at patreon.com slash dumdumdice. Thanks to them, and a little bit of thanks to you. The Fable and Folly Network, where fiction producers flourish.